Game Boys. Hey there, internet, and welcome to another episode of the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux, and with me, as always, is one man who thinks it's always the first night of Hanukkah. It's Griffin Davis. Always the first night of Hanukkah. What does that mean? Well, in a lot of Jewish families, particularly mine and other ones that I know, the first night's where you get like the actual like big Christmas type present and the mm. rest of the nights are like socks. It's all descending order from from there. Yeah. Which honestly is the wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's also uh, you mentioned on a previous episode that they give you your presents at like 10 p.m. and then you have to go to sleep. Oh, no, it's like <laughs> six because it's a daylight savings time. But yeah, it's not <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> it's not like an ideal setup for a child. Like, here's a Nintendo. Uh, you have three hours till bedtime. Well, Good luck. Well, Lux, you know, our last episode, we were at the height of Hanukkah and we celebrate, you know, we honored that thoroughly. Uh, and now we're at the end of Hanukkah, correct? Yep. And uh, how are your socks? Good. Um, I actually have gotten new ones. Um, they're they're nice. Uh, I also got some latkes recently. They were delicious. I've been really doing Hanukkah about as well as you can do it in Texas. That's incredible. But Lux, this has been a big week outside of Hanukkah. You know, it's yeah. like Hanukkah is a big week for both of us. Uh, yeah. But for you gamers know. and Jewish people alike. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of big news. Uh, why don't you start? Because I think that our guests are going to want to get on the shit I was talking about. So you should start with your whatever you have. Oh, boy. Uh, so uh, fans of the podcast will know that I've been suffering, Lux. I've been I've been I've been in pain over the ad campaign for my most anticipated game of 2019, Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, yes. People on the Internet will know that these trailers suck and that they are the worst. And each one just keeps on getting worse. And I told them to not make any more. But then 24 hours ago around midnight actually they dropped a trailer on youtube and it is incredible it's like everything i needed and wanted <laughs> i'm back on the hype train they got utada hikaru who has sung the theme for every other kingdom hearts in there collaborating with guess it skrillex they made a song with skrillex and that <laughs> sounds really <laughs> bad but yeah, it's Kermit, not that was not a great pick <laughs> it's great the thing is, look i thought this game was gonna be bad but then i heard then they skrillex. got skrillex they got skrillex and it was a huge 180 uh and the loving this trailer it's a good trailer and i feel like i'm back on top and i'm just i'm so ready now lux yeah it's crazy how much of your like sense of self-worth is tied to how much you want to play <laughs> kingdom hearts 3 it's yeah. a very confusing dynamic to me. Um, so there's that. You also posted on Facebook today about a little movie about our favorite fast boy. Yeah, our favorite fast. Is it our favorite fast boy? Is there anyone faster that's more favorite than Sonic the Hedgehog? I feel like the only competition is like Flash or Superman. Yeah, we and don't, they're way less favorite than Sonic. We do not like either of those guys as much as Sonic. Uh, yeah. yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh boy. Uh, so I, you know, I've heard that they're going to make a movie about this, but this is uh, our first little teaser uh, at the look of Sonic. Um, you know, we don't even get to see his face really, but we do get to see that he uh, is sexy as hell. Yeah. Sonic's a hunk now for sure in the in the image. He's in a runner's pose. Um, you know, it seems he's like corded he's corded muscles rippling corded. in the shadows. It's this is something I, sexual I have an energy. opinion about. Oh, you haven't seen this? No, I've seen it. I have I have thoughts though. Oh, you do? Okay, oh. Kyle <laughs> or guess. Yeah, Kyle, whatever. People are gonna find out here in the title. <laughs> Kyle, jump in. What are your thoughts on Sonic, the uh, new so hot the new hot Sonic? When he's like in Smash in the Sonic Adventure kind of era Sonic, like his legs are always so spindly, which I always felt was like not hot. You know, not apt. Yeah. 
like if this guy hauls so much ass, he should have some quads should, to show for it have, or something. He should have yeah. uh, calves. He should be yoked from the waist down. Yeah. yeah. And like he's always doing, he's always on leg day and calves are the male tip. So yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I've made that wish in my mind and then the monkey's paw closed and then here comes today and I hate it. Oh really? You don't like new fucking ripped Sonic? Um, yeah, it's a little too, uh, you know. Is it getting a little too like, you're like, man. I could see how I could be a furry in that like reality yeah. no, I mean, is like pressing against you in like yeah. an aggressive way. It's 2018 and it's like kind of coming up on you real quick and uh, you know, life's changing, the world's changing and uh, you think that furries might be okay. Well, you know, Sonic's, Sonic's always going to come on you real quick, but uh, <laughs> the thing about it is, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, So I, are you saying that your, your fear is that it's too sexy? Is that what you're concerned about? Uh, just like, I guess growing up with like all the, I feel like I was born in 89, so I feel like I grew up with all like the uh, kind of like the golden age of character based cartoons and games and stuff. And there were mostly furry characters that kind of spawned the whole subculture slash uh, sexual fetish. And this seems just like a really like late period kind of version. Yeah, it's like, it's definitely uh, in terms terms of furry porn, this is late capitalism at its finest. Yeah, no, this is some Frederick Jameson shit, but let's talk about (laughs) the biggest news in gaming this week. The game that Griffin won't play with me. Let's talk Uh, about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Okay. Um, So, (laughs) you're such a dick. (laughs) So last night, Kyle was kind enough to host the first annual Dips Miss Cup, a dip-themed Smash tournament. It's really a Smash-themed dip tournament. Is that where you do cigarette dip? No, everyone asks me that. Uh, No, it's dips like for chips. Yeah. Mm, No, it's a lot more wholesome than you're thinking. Yeah, I brought a salmon and herb dip and a spinach artichoke. Uh, Kyle, you made like yeah, a French I mean, onion. Yeah, uh, made like a little caramelized onion deal. We had some oh, that's peso actually, sounds amazing. Yeah, uh, it was yeah, awesome. there was some, there was a, a brie thing going around. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, we were in the finals. Kyle won. Um, you know, honestly, if more smash, if more smash gatherings had brie, you count me in. But the thing is, the game a fucking rips. Like it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it feels yeah. like just like being back in high school and middle school with the old school, you know, yeah, my like, melee days. Yeah, like we had like 12, 13 people in a room rotating four players every game and everyone just had a fucking blast. And like as long as like that's like the thing that makes Smash great and as long as that's true, like the game is an achievement. Cuz mm-hmm. there are so few games where you can like have like a party, like even Mario Party, it's just like four people sitting down playing the game for an hour. Um, but with Smash, you can really get rotations going, and the game is so fun to watch that like it's super exciting. Also, I've unlocked all the characters, and there are some real dumb ones. Oh yeah, what's one of the best ones? Um, the one that I find absolutely stupidest is Duck Hunt's back. Uh, Duck Hunt, just the dog and the duck running around. That's pretty <laughs> Wait, from from the game Duck, duck Hunt? Hunt. Yeah, <laughs> so that one's pretty dumb. Um, I, they brought in King K. Rule, who is not dumb, but yeah, is very good. K. Rule is actually really good and fun. Yeah. They've, like, there's a new genre of character in this one, which is like big, heavy guys who have like amazing recoveries, which is cool. Like, there's I just like a lot of that, cool, weird, big shit, and they've like just made everything look so good. I think I might get it because there's just a chance that they'll eventually have like Sora from Kingdom Hearts as a playable that's, character. I feel like that's a pretty strong possibility. Well, <laughs> here's the big DLC fucking JRPG nerd news crossover. Is that mm-hmm. one of the DLC characters that I'll be getting when it comes out is Joker from Persona 5. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm I was not planning on buying the DLC right away. I was like, I'm not going to do this. I hate paying the extra 25 bucks when I buy a game to get the DLC. 
And then I saw that article that was like, Joker is coming to Super Smash Bros. And I said, I'll pay that extra $25 for the DLC right now. Is his like assistant Morgana that just like yells at people to go to bed? Yeah, that's their special moves to press B and then a cat shows up and is like, time for bed. Oh, sorry, you can't read that book. It's time to go to sleep. Oh, oh my God, goodness. A fucking cat. All right, but that's enough bullshit in our bullshit. Um, we have an awesome guest you've all already sort of met, but we'll introduce thoroughly right now. He's a friend, a wrestler. Uh, you did you did you you did comedy stuff for a minute, right? Did you improv uh, stuff? I, yeah, I don't prefer to talk about my improv history, but yeah, he's never done improv <laughs> stuff. That's never happened. I didn't mention it. He's a wrestler, a friend, an architect, and just a generally fantastic dude. One of the great minds behind the scenes of PWR. It's Kyle Wyatt, ladies and gentlemen. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming, Kyle. Um, but yeah, so Kyle, welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to the game, boys. So uh, we already talked about Smash, and so I already can sort of know a little bit that Smash is like a big part of your gaming background. But like, yeah. is that how you got into games, or like, how did um, you? No, how did it definitely start? not. Uh, well, it's uh, I don't remember my first video game that I played, but you know, it started out with like in daycare watching the older kids play Super Nintendo and whatnot, which I never had one of my own. Whoa! Um, but I was a Sega Genesis kid growing up, and the Nintendo sixty four happened, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, I feel like my very first like actual visceral thing was Warcraft Two. Oh yeah, that was the first one. PC game like I really had and played, and it kind of like blew my mind a lot. Yeah, I mean Warcraft Two, so so amazing. I played that game a lot as a child. That's how um, I learned how to enter DOS commands on my dad's computer as like a first <laughs> grader, so I could boot Warcraft One and Two. And those games are incredible. I can see that. Like, so did you play like a lot of strategy games? Was that like your main? So that was like the first one, and then it kind of like opened up the world. And, uh, you know, I remember being whatever age I was, like, I don't know, seven or eight, and just, like, being so blown away that you can control multiple guys and just being like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and like, then, like the, just the, the scope of Warcraft is so much bigger than, you know, your average, you know, whatever, Mario game where you just have yeah. Mario jumping around. But now you have all these archers and there's, like, blood magic and all this stuff. Yeah, there's a lot more going on in a Warcraft than in, like, a Lost Levels, for sure. So I and feel like that was... There's, like, a new feeling of stress of, like, I have to manage this, yeah. whole, this whole army is my responsibility now. Like, that's a very, like, more... I think adult thing to deal with mm-hmm. and just like game. having like permanence in like the game you know it was, it was maybe mm-hmm. a 45 minute game on whatever you're playing but like you know you'd build things and then you would upgrade those things and you'd like construct things or feel like most video games of the time were or at least the ones i was playing were very ephemeral They're either a fighting game like a mortal Kombat or a what have you and uh you know your mario's your platformers and you know you you get through something and it was kind of done but in this one you know there's like more permanence. So you, uh, so you grew up on RTS. You grew up on these RTS games. Uh, you sent a child, uh, which reminds me of a certain uh, book known by Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that you could perhaps be a child general? Uh, no. Do you, th- that, that, do you no. think you could Ender use those was such skills? A dick in those in that in that book? I feel like he was a little asshole. He was a little <laughs> asshole. Not as, but not as much of a little asshole as his tiny friend Bean. Yeah. <laughs> the real true <laughs> asshole of the story. Good lord. Uh, what a dick that tiny child is. No, I was I was I don't feel like I was particularly good at any of these games until I mean we'll get into it, but like there was a change that happened within me when I got to college. Oh, good tease. That's good podcasting. All right, Kyle, I have another <laughs> silly question. So Kyle, we'll get Griffin, to that in an hour. <laughs> Griffin, you may or may not know this about me. I think we talked about this, but I you know, I'm big into knife shows. Uh, fortune fire. I'm also a blade respecter over here. Uh, yeah. And, and also like uh, sword guns. Yeah. Well, gun swords are its own thing, but yeah, very mm-hmm. into that. Um, but Kyle, like he says, is a fellow blade respecter. And Kyle, my question for you is 
Do you think that video games and growing up on video games contributed to your respect for the blade or is it like a sort of independent interest? I think it's definitely a reciprocal relationship. Um, my dad took me and my brother a lot since probably age six and up like every year to the Renaissance fair. Oh, hell yeah. Um, nice. And that in, in no small part contributed my love of Warcraft and all this dumb shit that I do today. For sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, that's really Ren fair kids. You're either a Ren Fair kid or a divorced dad. If you're going to be a Blade well, respecter, I, I feel like both. yeah. Here's I the difference: it's like there's Ren Fair <laughs> yeah. people that are like very. It's like that seems very formal because I also got a lot of swords as a kid, but it was all like swap meet shit. Mm. Like, like See, we, I, we, we would never have been lots. allowed to have an actual blade. We just could just gaze from afar. <laughs> just made it want you, you know, made you want it even more. We've talked about my eight, my years working at the Ren Fair on the podcast before, right? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh uh, yeah, I was a I was a knife throwing but it, guy. It immediately makes sense to me. <laughs> I worked the knife throwing booth. <laughs> this for, is not surprising for a year for a summer and then I was a human chess piece slash one of the guys who yelled like British accented insults at you mm-hmm. let me guess you were you a around. rook uh, no I was a bishop mm. <laughs> which was the the well because all the other pieces had like actual like weapons and they had to do like fake like choreography stuff with the weapons and the rook just had like a stick the bishop just had like a stick I was big on getting all of the swords from video games I mean my brother would collect them so we would go and get driven up to like uh, Chinatown in LA where they had these like just long just strips of just like random swords and stuff oh, like so cool. i got like Ugh. clouds buster sword Ugh. i definitely at one point had a keyblade like an actual keyblade from kingdom hearts uh yeah i was Have obsessed with getting the forge and fire yeah i feel death? like you would maybe enjoy it uh, uh, is that like how they make swords forge um, and fire is like chopped but for swords so like that starts off and they're like you four competitors are going to make a blade out of this car and then they like make a blade and then one gets eliminated and like add handles and finish it and another one gets eliminated and then they have to make ancient weapons from history and whoever makes the best ancient weapon from history wins wow I hope we get some ad revenue for plugging this show right now look man look I feel like I've spread fortune fire to so many people I should be getting a cut of it at this point (laughs) yeah for real um yeah no between uh future of hopefully guest Chris Monica uh Kyle and I are probably the, the most blade respectory people that I know mm-hmm. in my life. Um, but you could join that exclusive club Griffin. If you just start watching history channel programming, like forge and fire or knife or death. Um, but we're not here to talk about swords because we could for an hour. We're here to talk about a game that has zero swords involved. Well, that's not necessarily true. Um, yeah, you could consider uh, certain aliens appendages to be swords. Yeah, they have psychic energy swords. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. No forging involved. And also the sword well, of the American forge. government. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, okay, you guys, you're right. My segue was garbage. Yeah. I'm owned. You're right. I've been owned. Griffin to the fucking thing. <laughs> uh, well, so you brought us on an, an interesting game. You mentioned earlier Warcraft 2 being a formative moment for you, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that has a lot to do with the history about this game. Blizzard Entertainment began planning development on StarCraft in 1995 using the game engine from Warcraft 2. A massive success upon release in 1998 for the PC, it was followed by two add-ons that were considered duds by fans and critics alike. The StarCraft team knew they had to follow up with something that felt like a true sequel, so they began to create Brood Wars. Brood Wars drastically increased the significance of the StarCraft story by presenting players with strategic decisions over which objectives to pursue. It is known as the moment where Blizzard proved that cutscenes in video games could be truly cinematic and grandiose in a way that no one had ever seen before. This week, the Game Boys go to war. Space War. Uh, Star... Star... Star War... StarCraft. Brood War. (laughs) 
Hell yeah. Yeah, we're talking StarCraft. We're talking Brood War. Um, Kyle, the first question we usually ask when we remember to ask it is, why this game of all games? What was uh, this? The- quite simply, I think it's just the king of all games. Whoa. Uh-oh, king, all right. oh, you're bringing in a king here. I think it's the ultimate crucible of gaming fury. Whoa. I mean believable why is that an excellent an excellent statement i mean i'm not like the ultimate gaming historian but i don't think it's inaccurate to say it started esports yeah no that checks out for sure um yeah and i think there's a lot of great reasons why it did that and why it in particular was u- uniquely able to do this and probably without brood war i don't think esports would be what it is at all definitely no, it I mean, really birthed the south korean thing yeah well then like the isometric camera right that was like mm-hmm. the big thing the like 60 degree camera angle that you could kind of move around that was like a huge innovation in the original Star Trek craft that also like made it more visually viewable as like an audience and also more like navigable as a player for sure. But what were some of the other things that like made you feel like makes you be like this is the the esport aside from like the history yeah, of how it, it's it the first esport? The world, yeah. How did it change your heart? So when I first played Brood War, um, it was like right when it came out, and I remember all the kids at school they would buy the games and they would bring in the manuals of the games back when they had those. And then like, you know, I had Warcraft two and I had all the other cute little games, with the little manuals and they brought this in and they had like overlords in the overmind and like dark Templars in there and all this crazy shit. And then like that, that sweet Chris Metzen art just like, I remember really blowing my mind and I like, I have it etched into my mind still. But uh, just like that whole world of just like, Hey, this is a dark sci-fi thing that you're like, we're not really used to. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, so much of the imagery still affects me today and then of course i just like slipped into the game played a ton of it was just like totally blown away by the campaign like it was such like a it felt like just like graduating to the next level yeah in so it's many like, ways. it's like it was your first big boy game kind of in yeah a pretty much way. like you know you it's, start it feels off. like you're going from the hobbit to like <laughs> fellowship of the ring and you're like this is a different game yeah actually i have a very similar story with that game because i remember my father buying it um, as so many video games I played as a child, stories start this way. My father bought it for himself and my brother to play. Um, and they were like, well, you can start playing it, but maybe start with us because it's like pretty adult. Um, so start like, well, like we can be around, like make sure you don't like, <laughs> I don't know, get freaked out. Um, cause I was like eight or whatever in the first, it's the first Starcraft. And then the opening cutscene to the first Starcraft, I don't know if y'all remember it is just a guy in a ship talking about how like the Zerg have like swarmed the planet and they have to give up and he just shoots himself with a gun. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, yeah. And I, as a child, like snuck into my dad's office and was like Starcraft time. And that was like the first thing I saw. And that's like, that's like burned into my memory forever <laughs> is being like eight years old and just watching no, this a, like soldier man commit suicide on a shit. All time scene for sure. <laughs> yeah. And like that, like fucked me up forever. But like, I think you're totally right. Like so much of the initial imagery and like the style was so like unique and like so different because so many video games were either like, it's space where cool aliens live and you have a, a yeah, robot it's like friend going from like toe jam and Earl to, to this, like they're yeah. both in space. Yeah. But then this is like so much darker and grittier and it's so much more of like so much more depth of story in a way that also is really cool. Cause even the Warcraft games, which I love to death still to this very day, they have a story in that like there are orcs and there are humans and they want this stuff and they're mad at each other. But like, this was like so much more nuanced, like different characters who all have different motivations 
and like different turns in the story. And it was so crazy. It's important that you mention that Lux, because I do think that there is sort of a, a, like a, a naivete to the characters in Warcraft that like in Starcraft, everyone is a little bit more uh, gritty and like darker and like not sarcastic, but I don't know. It's like a much more modern feel. Yeah. Like that's the tone of like, like it feels like, like the Christopher Nolanization of movies. <laughs> right. I feel like they had its like photogenic form yeah. in like, <laughs> like Starcraft. Definitely before, like before it was cool, it was like the gritty space reboot, at least right. for me. I mean, obviously there's a lot of other sci-fi stuff totally beyond my scope as a, a middle schooler in a late, you know, late elementary school. Yeah. Whatever fourth that was. Grader. But like, that was definitely my first exposure to anything like this bloody or this, you know, serious. So and let's just, get like, into the story of this game for yeah. people who haven't played it. Uh, let's, 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 uh, why don't you explain a little bit about, uh, where Brood War starts and kind of what it covers in terms of story? Well, I feel like, uh, the first game comes out and, um, it kind of like, I feel like it sets the stage for like, oh, there's these, uh, the Terrans which are earthlings that have come galaxies and galaxies and settled here and they're like somehow become like Actually, a weird southern they're confederate. they're like more like fucking like they're like criminals. It's like Australia of yeah. the galaxy. That's what's important. They're criminals yeah. exiled from Earth sent just off into space so they're basically yeah like Australians out there in space. <laughs> yeah but they're all, they're all southern sci-fi <laughs> bunch of rednecks and then there's the Protoss which are just you know space elves but like a little bit more than that. A little more robot, a little and more lizard. The, the real juice is the Zerg, of course. Yeah. The, the, cre- the creepy bug dinosaur hybrids that come out of the ground and bleed purple and just like, like I don't know, extremely gross and extremely cool. Yeah. And so the first game, like I said, sets up all that shit. And it sets up a couple of important characters, the most important of whom is like Lieutenant Sarah Kerrigan, who does like kind of a suicide mission situation and gets captured by the Zerg. And what made Brood War so cool is that Brood War picked up with her story and how she gets transmorphed into like a brood queen of the Zerg and becomes like part of the Zerg thing. And like then they're like now they have like a military like strategy genius part of the hive mind. So they're way more dangerous now. So the humans have to like up their game and the Protoss have to like ally with the humans because like the Zerg are too powerful. And so you get all these cool alliances and all these cool, like dubious things. You get some real, like not, you know, obviously it's not like a novel series, like song of ice and fire, but like there's George R. R. Martin type shit going on. where like, there's betrayals making and, and betrayals and, and compromises mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff that was like, so like, like you said in the, in the history thing, like so much more his, like thematically and narratively deep than like any sort of strategy game had ever really gone before. And that is what I noticed the difference just actually just between this and Starcraft one is that like Starcraft kind of was like, did so much work to just kind of like establish all the races and just do very base setup stuff. And then I feel like this is like the true sequel where there's like characters making choices more often. And like, they're just like more interesting, like reversals and surprises. Uh, and it, and it really seems to be like the true ending to the story. If that, if that makes any sense. Right. Well, and then you get Starcraft two right mm-hmm. after brood war, but like, yeah, it, brood war sums up like the, like, yeah, like brood war is like a real act two in like the three or like I mean I guess it could have been an end if there had never been a Starcraft 2 but like fully caps off the narrative of Starcraft 1 right and because we have like these a really like satisfying three forces way. which is always like a great uh, interesting political dynamic when there's like three different forces vying over a, like a space um, and that stuff gets really interesting and then it kind of ends with that character Lux you mentioning uh, Sarah, Kerrigan, Sarah Kerrigan the brood queen kind of playing everybody and then just kind of like killing everyone 
one and kind of winning and kind of being like uh, Cersei Lannister kind of at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she is a real Cersei Lannister in a lot of ways. Um, but let's so the story is really cool. The theme is really cool. But the thing that's most cool at this game is the fucking design and what happens in the game and fucking making armies and killing shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk making armies and killing. Yeah, shit. Yeah. So like gameplay wise, like you go from Warcraft two to this and just like the explosions are bigger. Shit's just going off everywhere. Like just stuff's nasty. There's like gas you're gathering and it like kind of like flips the script on a lot of things. And uh, so I enjoyed all that as a kid. But like, to be honest, like I, I played it, loved it, played all like, the campaign, played my friends a few times, you know, played through it a few times, played custom games, did all that fun stuff. And then once Warcraft three came out, I was on Warcraft three and I played that a lot, uh, you know, a lot more than I had ever played Brood War. Um, but then, uh, college rolls around and I move into a house with a bunch of engineers and then, uh, you know, I kind of was, I was aware of what was going on in Korea a little bit, just like I'd heard about it, but you know, it didn't really strike my curiosity. And then my, uh, one of my roommates was sitting down and watching a, a Bisu versus Jadong match. I'm like, what? And so I sat down and then like, we just spent like the whole weekend just looking at old videos. That wasn't even like a current tournament or anything of just like going through this rivalry between Bisu and Jadong and like he was telling me all this stuff that he was just like learning about like all the strategies that Bisu was developing and so then we just like kind of fell into this world of like looking up strategies and like learning how here's how you actually play Brood War and not that other kid shit you were doing earlier. Right yeah I had a similar some of my experience in college a couple of my friends got really into Brood, Brood War and I didn't know anything about like the sort of meta gameplay of it and I was shown some of these boxer videos. Um, boxers, like one of the dudes, like innovated the idea of how to do brood war strategy. And it was like, oh, like he builds fucking his supply depots to like create walls so like bad guys can't get in and like designs all this shit around like mounting siege tanks at just the right place to do XYZ kind of thing. And it was just all like so much more thinking and strategy and so much more sportsy than like any video game I'd ever heard anyone talk about in any kind of meaningful way. I feel like if I played this game against an architect engineer like you, I'd be so fucked. Uh, well, so here's <laughs> the thing about Brood War, though, is uh, Brood War much more than StarCraft 2. At a certain point, like obviously like the thinking is a big part of it, but like I think what made it unique and like kind of melded it from video game into sport was how physically demanding it could be at the highest levels. And you'd hear stories about kids that would like get become pro at 16 and then they'd burn out by age 22 because they just weren't fast enough anymore. And like, holy shit. Like, and then you watch these guys play and they're literally clicking 230 to 300 times per minute. And basically the guy who clicked more won most of the time. Yeah. Like you get to see if you're watching, I watched some live Starcraft 2. Starcraft 2 is one of my go to bed things that I do, um, which is a weird detail, but <laughs> true about my life. Um, I'll smoke weed and watch StarCraft 2 to fall asleep and you'll watch it and they'll have the actions per minute counter on the screen and it'll just be like 310 versus 290 oh, and, it's Jesus. Like, and it's like, I can't make 290 actions on my computer in a day. It actually makes yeah, me maybe. feel better as someone that isn't smart that I could mechanically <laughs> muscle my way through it maybe. Well, I mean... <laughs> No, I feel like you could, man. You've got the, yeah, the quick, as long quick as reactions you, like, from your FPS gaming. Had like the standard gameplay build down and you could beast through it extremely quickly, like faster than the other guy, then you could definitely beat him. Especially in Brood War. Starcraft 2, that's less true, but uh, we can get into that later. But Yeah, well, and then that's always been the fun thing about these games for me too, is that like the... So you look at a three-race setup like Terrans or Protoss, and your initial thought is like, oh, rock, paper, scissors. Like... One side has the tools to be one, blah, 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 and they're all sort of bouncing each other in that kind of way. But this game really does a good job of, like, it is a rock, paper, scissors, but each side has various rocks, papers, and scissors to deploy against the other sides. 
So it's like Taryn has Zerg beating strategies. It also has Protoss beating strategies. Protoss has Taryn beating strategies and Zerg beating strategies, et cetera, et cetera. So there's always this like mix up and like these pump fakes and like ways that like, you know, there are all these like little hints that people know now where it's like if someone makes a spawning pool in the first two minutes, it means they're rushing Zerglings. So then like Zerg people are like, oh, if I build a spawning pool where their scout can't see it, they won't be able to prepare for it and know that I'm doing this. Well, and like the fucking Cold War fucking spy shit like mounts and mounts and mounts until the game is just so crazy complicated, which is so cool. And I distinctly remember like a very formative moment in my learning how to actually play Brood War days was, you know, when you set your guys to mining in the beginning, you have, you have start with whatever, five guys in Brood War and you, you have to set them on your minerals and you move them over there and then you just get to mining and then you usually just chill there while you wait to have enough for your first supply building or whatever you want to do. Um, but when you watch, you know, standard play is you take one of those guys and you send it across the map immediately. And I remember that just kind of blowing my mind, but like, but, but, but you need that guy to mine. You're not going to be able to have as many minerals. And it's like, turns out having knowledge is so much more important than having that extra 50 minerals. It's like, I don't know. There's so many like head fakes and mind games that occur in a game of brood war. And especially if you watch like old pro brood war games and even current ones, you know, if a guy gets a, a zergling into a base one time and he spots the one warp in and he was able to click on it and he finds out it's a Templar archives instead of a robotics facility, the crowd just goes fucking buck wild because they know how fucking important that is. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the funniest things about watching it live is sometimes a thing will happen that'll just appears totally innocuous and people lose their shit. Yeah. Like, like that feel settings like, meant nothing to me, but then just like seeing a yeah, crowd of people just, stand just imagine up just like a guy just like running a little scout across the map and everyone's like huh? 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 and then he like gets in the base a little bit and just like sees like a different blue dot than he was expecting and then everyone just loses their fucking minds yeah i remember recently i was watching one where a dude was doing like a sort of off kilter build where they were building like a second base like second base really fast like next to their base and they were like counting on the scout not noticing it and the scout came in like veered towards the second base was but then like turned away and went towards the main base and everyone in the crowd was like Oh, like he almost found yeah, it. Just information control is so important in these games. And like, that's one thing that's really kind of makes a difference between like kind of an amateur player, kind of where I am and kind of the next level of shit where you can actually start turning pro. I think right. is both your speed and your ability to know what's going on and your ability, your tenacity into can continue figuring out what's going on because i feel like at, at kind of my level that i played that a lot you'd kind of have your build that you were good at like oh i can hit you know i can get 10 siege tanks out by eight minutes and uh, that's what i'm going to do 90 percent of my games and uh, it's going to win pretty good because i'm pretty good at it and at a certain level that's going to do you pretty good but then there's just so many grades of skill in this game and it like keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper and it feels like the ceiling is truly unlimited sometimes yeah oh my god yeah watching pro. it still is such a such a like a beast in terms of competitive gaming like there's few games that like are fun and clear to watch in esports like i try to watch overwatch esports and even as an overwatch fan at times it's it's confusing it's hard to track but just like the simplicity of watching from a bird's bird's eye view the player like and the entire crowd being able to like to track that emotionally is is something that i feel like very few games have ever been able to like compete with starcraft with yeah i I do, uh, you know, I, I've watched, I've played Overwatch and all your, your MOBAs and all that stuff. And uh, in terms of watching it, like, I, I still feel like nothing comes close to StarCraft as a spectator experience. Right. Um, just, you know, with Counter-Strike, with League of Legends, there's too many focus points going around. Yeah. And uh, one thing that's so compelling about watching these programs, if you can get the, the, the stream of what the, the person is actually doing with their screen at the time, 
that always to me is so fascinating because you know in the in brood war you had you can bind your function keys to save a certain like a screen location somewhere on the map and so obviously you tend to do one of those for each of your little bases and so but you see these guys flip between them and they're literally looking at like maybe six per I don't know, 10 second period, doing a couple things, moving on to the next one, doing the next one. And then one of them's also on the battle that they're also waging at the same time where they're like, you know, unseizing, they're moving their siege tanks around. They're setting up, they're building more, you know, reavers or whatever. And they're dropping stuff off. They're picking up transports and all this stuff is occurring at the same time. And it's just one versus one. And you can kind of just like feel like these two minds clashing against each other and you can watch it. And I feel like that you kind of can pick that up pretty easily playing it as long as you're playing someone of your similar skill level it really feels like you're truly like matching your minds in a way that you don't get with like your counter-strike or a shooter or even a moba i mean that also brings up one of the other big reasons why starcraft has become such a fascinating esport is that's been around for so fucking long yeah and it like still looks good yeah it looks amazing um, it looks fucking great. And because there's been like 15 years of strategic build, the commentators now are dudes who played Brood War and even a little bit of StarCraft 2 and like cycled out. So they know all the strategy <laughs> like, down so to like, like a football. fucking... It's like the old football yeah. players like being on ESPN now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and like they, they know the strategy to a T in this way that honestly a lot of the old football players on ESPN don't. Um, <laughs> and so it'll be like you'll watch a game and someone will like put a siege tank like centimeters off of where it should be and they'll be like oh no 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 like the range in that scene <laughs> yeah, like, oh this is a blunder They're he's like, gonna be regretting that one i hope he didn't i hope yeah. he noticed that you yeah, know I hope he sees it and changes it because the siege tank doesn't have range to cover like that end of the ramp wow yeah. like they're gonna get and like they see that and so i can tell you that but like that's not possible in an overwatch or a modern call of duty or like a league of legends thing because like the i mean league of legends maybe but like there hasn't been enough time to canonize all of these different facts about how the game works and like a catalog in your head. And I think that's one thing that Brewdor has up on every single other esport and probably will for the end of time because I don't think you can truly ever replicate it because it was a complete accident. Uh, I was looking it up right beforehand, but there were when Brood War came out, there were there were four balance patches, and that was it. Whoa. They did four of them, and that was it. They stopped. And the rest of the game, like, kind of balanced itself out. Like, you know, the metagame kind of changed a lot. Uh, and they ended up kind of, quote unquote, balancing the game by changing the maps that people would play on. You know, none of the units would really change, but just the the terrain that they were occupying and that they had to build on and that the fight across ended up kind of balancing the, uh, the, the, you know, between the three races. They would, you know, if one was getting too strong, the Blizzard would change the ladder maps out for the next season and just kind of like make some certain distances wider here and there. And they're always just like such marginal changes. That, That's what Blizzard's like, known for. They still do that with Overwatch, just tweaking, mm-hmm. balancing. That's what that company has been known for. Yeah, they're always testing in the margins. But um, okay, so we can we could talk about sort of the, the God's Eye zoomed out version of StarCraft for like hours and hours for sure. But let's talk personal experience. So first off, Kyle, who did you, what was your, who was your side? Oh, I was Zerg for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, correct. Um, me, <laughs> this is uh, the only right yeah, answer. Also, also me. Um, Griff, if you were to play, who would you want to be having done your research? Uh, well, it's a really easy pick for me because I believe in the way of the church. And so it's the Protoss uh, all the way for me. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you love a temple for sure. <laughs> love me a temple. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, um, that's why you and my dad get along so well. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, so why, I mean, there, there obviously is an aesthetic reason for Zerg. They're so cool. But why would you pick Zerg? Why did you pick Zerg? So and then, yeah. I feel like this change is more readily apparent for me in StarCraft 2, which I'm more competitively experienced in. Um, but my, my Brood War days, I usually latched onto Zerg. I feel that's like, it's the same way I play fighting games. And Lux, you got a taste of this last night. I'm a little fast and furious. I like to get up in your grill. Yeah, it's I like accurate. to not give you any breathing room. 
Um, and you know, no one can do that like the Zerg can. And it still is that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's always been the Zergling rush has always been like a viable and like nightmarish strategy. Yeah. And early on, I have a, I have a twin brother and a, so you can imagine we're naturally pretty competitive and we both have the same dorky ass interests. And so we both kind of always had a constant training partner that we were always fairly even in, especially in brood war and he would play protoss and i would play zerg and he switched to terran around because he could he couldn't beat me after a bit and um i do feel like brood war terran versus zerg is like that's the, the that's, that's the all time that's, that's like the middle of the sim and roll that's yeah, like that's the sweet gooey center for mm-hmm. sure um because just like the the way how different those two races are and how they play off of each other is just so compelling to me still even just thinking about it and just like okay so i my the, my interior life is a lot of fan fiction, um, like unpublished fan fiction. Uh, on, on the script, it reads, interior, Lux's life, fan fiction, <laughs> fiction. sprawled on the uh, walls. And, yeah, and then end of script. Um, <laughs> but no, like that that's true. And, and StarCraft for me was such a fertile ground for that because like you had all these very detailed, very specific different units. Like I remember being like enamored of the Hydralisk for a long time. The Hydralisk Griffin, and if you don't recall, is the big kind of snake worm looking guy with the like scythe arms. Oh, that spits uh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, poison. definitely, definitely. Like, oh, that thing was the coolest. Or like the Ultralisk, the giant like sort of elephant with fangs was like very dope. And then like the fire bats, like they just had so many cool fucking units that I remember even, like I said, I wasn't allowed to play the game uh, until I snuck into my dad's room and just played it. And he was like, well, at this point, I mean, you, if you're not traumatized now, like you're <laughs> fine, I guess. But like as a kid, I remember watching it and just thinking it was the coolest fucking shit to see all these fucking crazy aliens and like crazy units. And yeah. it was so the Hydralisk cool. was an absolute unit. <laughs> oh, an, right. an, yeah. An indisputable, right. sir. <laughs> uh, well, I have a, kind of a final question uh, for you, Kyle. Uh, we talked a lot about what makes this game, gr- game great. Uh, you've obviously played other uh, games like this in the future that have like stolen ideas and, and this has inspired lots of future games. Like, uh, is there anything revisiting this game that you feels uh dated or clunky or like didn't exactly work but like games in the future figured it out um i mean starcraft 2 is just like sitting right there i feel like it improves a lot of the things that i was annoyed with in brood war where like you couldn't select unlimited units at one time so you had to like mess around with that but you know it's all kind of little small quality of life stuff i feel like they really kind of got the secret sauce right in brood war and that's why it stayed so powerful even to this day yeah but it's truly it just feels like it's so hard-hitting it's so visceral it like your brain is just screaming for whatever 20 to 30 minutes as you go up against somebody else and you when you win you truly feel like you've applied yourself in a way that like very few things in real life give you that just like competition reward i feel yeah i feel like can feel like you pull off like a true good victory yeah no that's that absolutely is accurate even to my like miss like i was saying this to griffin um famously on the show griffin struggled with the the zumbinis video game. <laughs> famously 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 a struggle a fame yeah I, in our, <laughs> still to this day one of our 10 most listened to episodes still playing it <laughs> Um, yeah. Still playing the game. Still to, yeah. Uh, still working my way still through. Still working my way through. Um, but StarCraft is truly my Zumbinis in the sense that, like, I never could get close to as good as I wanted to be at it. Like, I beat the campaigns and shit, but playing competitively could never, like, get that good. Yeah, I'm it's just a not, completely different game at that point. Yeah, I'm just not a fast click boy. Um, like, you saw this in our Smash game. My whole thing is, like, creating space and waiting for people to fall into my traps. Um, and like that's and like, it's a slow sort of a slow, like the, the, like the animal likeness would be like the hippo, like lurking beneath the surface, but with jaws that crush. 
Um, and that doesn't really play. And always in hungry. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I think I'm more of the hey, hey, always hungry, hungry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. I'm definitely like the small badger in the underbrush that you're like you see the, the the brush moving around and it's pretty small, but like you know it's gonna get at your fucking feet and it won't let go. For sure, that's a good one, Griffin. What animal are you when it comes to video games? I'm a jaguar caught up in a tree, just lurking to pass. Like not the not like my ideal <laughs> position, but I'm a jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that was really good. Um, all right, well, we're not topping that in this segment, so why don't we just transition to the commercial break, and we will come back to give our final ratings and do some segments. Oh, man, I'm at the theater, but what am I going to get? Oof, well, I know you don't want a good candy, because you've become kind of anhedonic in the past few years. Do they have a candy that just, like, kind of sucks? Well, I was looking at these milk duds over here. Mr. Cashier, are these milk duds any good? Oh, uh, uh, you, don't, you don't want anything to do with those milk duds, sonny. Are you sure? Why not? Well... Last person that ate those milk duds, he's still here as a ghost. Oh, because he died. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was hoping to preserve myself from the inside like one of those mummies. Yeah, can you do that? Is he more? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Is he a ghost or a mummy? Mm, uh, well, I think uh, he's told me something about a hominoptera and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, death is only the beginning. So I'm pretty hey, sure. Hey, sounds like a mummy. Pretty sure yeah, he's a sounds mummy. Sounds like a mummy. Wow, Kyle, I guess we found the perfect candy for you in your movie theater experience. My favorite part's when they all bunch up at the end and you get to go and just eat half the box at one go. And then they line your stomach and preserve your insides for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Milk duds. Hello, Internet. Welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. I'm still Lux. Your host is still Griffin Davis. Your guest is still Kyle Wyatt. And we're still talking about StarCraft colon Brood War. Now is a part of that show where we rate that Game Boys. So, Kyle, here's how it works. We go in a circle and give it a skim rating on one a scale of one to five joysticks and then give sort of a final thoughts on the game. Yeah, start with your thoughts and then your rating. Yes, I say that out of order every time, and I appreciate you pointing that out. Um, so yeah, Kyle, since you're our guest, Common Courtesy Dictates, you go first, so Kyle, take it away. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason I, I chose this game. Uh, I feel like it is like the true foundational heart of a lot of my competitiveness in gaming that is extended to a lot of different things, but it it teaches you how to optimize in a way that I feel like a lot of video games don't really incentivize. It's it's really just like your mind versus their mind and how quickly you can do the thing that you want to do and stop them from doing their thing. And you have, you know, whatever, 400 pieces in order to do that instead of a chessboard. We only get, you know, whatever is 16, 16. Yeah. It's just like chessboard. That's five times as big. and You don't get to see the other side, which sounds good and terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a terrifying, your mind is screaming the whole time. And, uh, it really just feels like a real roller coaster of a game. And, uh, even just thinking about it gets me pumped. It's like, it's like playing chess with a smart ghost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but all their pieces are also ghosts. <laughs> uh, what a world. So I guess that's a, is that yep, some, that's, yeah. a that's a five joystick rating for me. Oh, right, we're so, starting off with a five. Here we go. Oh, that means one of us. Well, one of us might be the bad guy. Griffin. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what you got, my guy? Um, uh, I, uh, I admittedly don't play a lot of these this genre. Um, but I found myself in doing the research and like watching the videos and seeing gameplay and just like learning about the history uh, and the way it's affected the game gaming landscape. Like this is a Goliath. It's uh, it's an absolute Goliath in gaming. I'm really glad you picked Brood Wars because I find it more interesting than than the original Starcraft. I think it does better things uh, with story and it's clearly like just like inspired so many games and it's just for its time just for so so ahead of its time uh, and still fun to play today. Like I, it's free to play 
right now. Like, yeah, so you just I go do might it. just go play that after this. Like, that's how much <laughs> intriguing this game is for me. Um, but I need to make a comparison to like Warcraft right now. And ultimately, I like the stories of Warcraft more. I think that I just like like their characters more and why that may be a little more simple. And while um, Starcraft may be a little more like interesting, like political Game of Thrones, I feel like it's this thing where it's like when the stories are, are about like military characters I often don't give a shit obviously there's military but it's more medieval in Warcraft and, and I think that there's like more like mages and like wizards and stuff like with the same problem I had with XCOM where it's like I liked what XCOM was doing but ultimately just like all the military characters and bravado was just like eh not my bag so it was gonna be a perfect game but I just don't like these characters as much as I like the Warcraft characters so I'm gonna give it a 4.5 damn Sorry, sorry. Right. No, I mean fair. <laughs> it's um, so good though. Yeah, fair because I'm about to do the same thing for different reasons. Okay. Um, <laughs> so one of the rules, the canonical rules of how I get the scores, is that if there's a game that does what this game does, but does a better job of it, a game can't get five joysticks. And as good as Brood War is, StarCraft 2 is better Brood War. Sure. Like it's just like you're saying, they tweak it. The changes are, are marginal. It's like mostly tweaking at the margins and a little bit more balancing and the graphic stuff. Um, but it's just like I played both of them and I think Starcraft 2 plays a little better. The tweaking at the margins does make oh, it's, like a, it's extremely much more accessible. Yeah. And it makes a little bit of a difference. And so if there's two games trying to achieve this like hyper balanced space combat mega strategy game and one does it better, the one that does a slightly worse job can't get a five. So this one's going to get a 4.5 out of me as well. We just, sorry, okay. man. We tried. We, boys we both tried me. so hard to take it to the, to the, the mountaintop, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, look, it could have been a five if you just picked StarCraft 2 and not Brood War. I'm sorry. At the end no. of the day, we're just journalists. And if you try to bone saws for this, you'll probably get away with it. Yeah. Well, especially because of our minimal respect for history. Um, all right. But now that we've rated the game, it's time for everyone to start segment entirely out of segments. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary time for the segment segment um i added that part about the friends from the binary because i felt weird saying ladies and gentlemen and then i kind of ran out of breath and that's why my voice got strange but anyways this is the part where griffin and i present segments to our guests which are usually stupid little games that we will then play together and griffin do you have a segment this week yes that's right it's an all new segment that's right baby it's slide into those dms yeah slide Ooh. now slide baby slide um so uh we have been saying that you should dm the game boys podcast and we're about to read one of the first dms that we've received and and hopefully it is a question uh, that we can read. <laughs> no, it's not one we've read. Not one you've pre-vetted pre at all. I'm opening it now. All right. Uh, this uh, comes from Hunter Edwards BB, uh, fan of the pod, friend of, friend the, pod, of the pod, friend. Former guest. It's a fan too, so it's a friend. Um, uh, he is a two-part question for the pod. What's the most memorable moment in gaming for you, and when will I be invited back to the pod? Wow. So I can answer the second part first, never. Uh, until you get a, a bigger <laughs> box. Uh, last time you brought in a video, yeah, you, a video game box. If you can bit it, find a bigger box, maybe we'll talk, Hunter. All right. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> and then the other. So the question about memorable moments. I think we already kind of covered Kyle's mem memorable moment with StarCraft. Um, uh, Lux. Yeah, sending a drone across that battlefield. Yeah. Lux, change your life it for you? My most. Okay. My most memorable gaming moment. There's a few. But I think the one that's most like purely gaming for gaming's sake is I uh, took some drugs, as I've been known to do, <laughs> and started playing Skyrim for the first time. 
And for a while, it was just a regular, I'm on drugs playing video games. But then I found a sword in the woods. And when I picked up the sword, <laughs> I was teleported into the sky by a ball of light. And then non-directionally mixed audio started telling me about the fate of the forest and my role in the future of the world. And you realized you hadn't been playing Skyrim at all. Yeah, I'd been watching <laughs> Planet Earth. <laughs> um, no, I was, it was just like that. It, for some reason, I guess, like my weird uh, drugs brain, like, that was a bridge too far and it just like not like freaked me out in a bad way but like was this like rush of like intensity and focus in a way that like no i never kind of felt before about like games are also like actually anything because <laughs> um, i just don't get invested in stuff i'm emotionally inaccessible um but i like just immediately was like so like fuck every other quest the only thing that matters is like getting the sword back to its rightful place <laughs> i don't care that i have like a meeting in two hours like this is the only thing in the world i care about so it was like a moment of true like surprise in the medium right yeah yeah exactly like i feel like even if i hadn't been on drugs that moment would have like rocked my world forever <laughs> and the fact that i was on drugs made it all the more like crazy and awe-inspiring but it was just like this moment of like man Video games now can really just like feel like a world that you're just in. And you, and, uh, and we've talked on the podcast before. I don't even like Skyrim that much overall, but like my initial exposure to it was like that. It was so intense and so incredible. Like that's going to stick with me forever. Yeah. And now you've been what sober you, for like man? 10 years, which is crazy. Um, um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, okay. We literally, 10 minutes ago, I was like, I like to smoke weed and watch Starcraft. Uh, I would have to say uh, now this is I don't know if this is embarrassing or not, um, but I think the biggest moment in gaming for me wouldn't even be a moment where I played a game, but it was when I saw a game once. Uh, it was when I saw the Leroy Jenkins video uh, <laughs> in World of Warcraft. Uh, for those of you that don't know what this is, it's a famous viral video in the early days of World of Warcraft uh, where a character is and a guild is raiding a dungeon and a character by the name of Leroy Jenkins, uh, all of a sudden just decides to trigger the boss and kill everyone and screams a lot on the on the voice chat. Um, but it was this moment where I just never seen a game like that. And I'd never seen people playing together a game. And uh, it just like was it was like what we talked about earlier with Kyle's game. This was like my big boy game. This was like where I've been playing kid games. And like this was the true step up and like a true sign that uh, I was going to get addicted to video games yeah no doubt that's a really good one and also extremely relatable oh uh, kyle do you have another like one that's or the starcraft one really like the moment for you oh man i feel like my my transcendent gaming moments have waned in 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 my age yeah as they that's should the, uh, you have early ones right that's what yeah we're, mine was when i was 20 but whatever you know. <laughs> um probably one of my favorites though is a little game called just cause 2 oh yeah good <laughs> where the mission <laughs> where you uh, have to uh fly a jet onto some cruise missiles that are taking off hop out of the jet hop onto the cruise missiles put bombs on those missiles and then jump off turn the camera around so the cruise missiles are behind you and then hit that detonator and it's like pretty well set up by the game to allow you to do that but the fact that you're still kind of doing it i remember that just being like one of my favorite moments yeah that's cool as hell um all right that's so that was that sliding into your dms that was sliding into the dms boys hell yeah thanks hunter let's slide into the next segment thank you hunter poor people please dm us yeah speaking of sliding into the next segment you guys know what it is everyone's favorite game about analingus that's right it's another round of do they eat ass this is a game in which i pick three video game characters and you guys through either through competitive conflict or collaborative conversation come to a conclusion about which of the three do or do not eat ass this week the theme is super smash bros of course because if i'd pick starcraft characters griffin would be confused 
confused. Oh. <laughs> I, I researched this game. I know the characters. I didn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, I only remember Sarah Kerrigan and uh, Kelthuzad. You don't remember Arcturus Mangus? Arcturus. Arcturus, <laughs> for sure. Um, I guess I could have done that, uh, but... I didn't. And we're doing Smash instead because we barely talked about it. What about it. Arthas? Don't try and slide that one by me, bro. Look, just because I didn't play WoW doesn't mean I don't know who the fucking Lich King is. Because <laughs> um, I played Hearthstone. Oh. <laughs> but okay, so we have three characters from Super Smash. We're going to go with some classics that we haven't actually talked about in this show yet. Those being Kirby, Samus, and Star Fox. Okay. We'll start mm-hmm. up with an easy right, one. Right, uh, Kirk. No, what? We do it in alphabetical order, oh, okay. which is Kirby. <laughs> yeah. So you were right. The easy one. <laughs> we do it in alphabetical order. So yeah, you guys, does Kirby eat ass? Oh yeah, you know he's nasty. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do know he's nasty. I, I definitely think Kirby does, um, but I, I don't know what that means for Kirby's transformation state. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an interesting question. Uh, but I think it's been established that he, he does choose whether or not to become the thing. Right. But then the question is raised, does Kirby eating someone's ass turn him into that person? or turn him into that person's ass. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be the person because if you get like a little bit of whatever, you turn it into kind of that thing. Yeah. Checks out. Depending on the game you're playing, really. It's really all over the place. I, I feel like Kirby has more say in the matter than he lets on. Yeah. And I think some doors are best left closed. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> the point of this game is to push right up against those exact doors. Um, uh, but that's fair. Yeah. Kirby definitely eats ass. But that brings us to Samus. Samus Aran. Metroid. Don't call me Metroid. My name's Samus. Does Samus eat ass? I just think that Samus is such a loner, and we've talked about loners on this podcast I, before. Mm. Um, you know, I uh, I don't want to I don't want to completely rule it out for her, but I just uh, I feel like she's on a different journey. Does she- I, I don't feel like Samus fucks as much as I like Samus. Yeah, yeah, like Samus doesn't fuck. Period. Samus is like all business all day. Yeah, yeah. Samus feels volatile to me for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely volatile hero, but not like in a volatile way. No, no. she's 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 cool as a cucumber. She's like a chill. Vol- like there's two versions of volatile, right? There's like volatile, like truly, I'm like I don't care about having sex. I'm living my life. It's fine. And then there's the volatile people who are like I don't care about having sex. No one wants to have sex with me, and I don't even need your sex. I'm just a, I'm an incel with different letters. Um, and she's not one of those. She's one of like the chill like Buddhist monk volatiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. She's not even on Twitter. No, she's yeah. not even. Yeah, she's never even doesn't even know what a Reddit is. <laughs> um, she only uses that word. When she's talking about things she's done with books. Reddit. But maybe there will um, be a. B- wow, that was a truly awful joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I blew right past it. But maybe yeah, as you should have. I just wanted to flag that I did a bad thing. And I deserve to be punished. <laughs> I think maybe when there is a new Metroid game that we may see a new side or a new take on the character of Samus that may push me way more towards a yes. Nintendo, mm. do the right thing here. I feel like having a romance plot with Samus would really. Uh, take away from the character and the in the the emotion of of Metroid for me. I'm really appreciative that you equate eating ass to romance. That's really important to me that you did that, um, and because it's accurate. Um, and that brings us to maybe the most confusing one of all: Star Fox. Does Star Fox eat ass? Okay. I, oh, sorry. So so Kirby is the hedonist, right? Yeah. And Samus is the Buddhist. Yeah. I feel like. Star Fox is like he's like the Presbyterian military man. <laughs> like if he has sex, it's in missionary, um, and uh, he won't uh, make any faces when he orgasms, and he is certainly not eating ass. Um, but like, uh, I mean, what is a barrel roll really? It's like a dodge. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't really understand. I don't Sorry. I just don't really, I knew that was setting something up, but I literally have no idea why. So I don't know what you're doing. So I, I didn't know. I'm just trying to think if that is a, if, if a barrel roll in, a, in, in, in terms of like a sexual thing, would that be a, you know, a, a, a positive uh, way? You know, is that a positive sexual thing or a negative sexual thing? I'm trying I think to think. It, I think it's a, it's a euphemism in the Star Fox universe that completely goes over his head. Like, he doesn't get why everybody's giggling when he keeps saying do a barrel roll. <laughs> oh, it's a sex he, thing, but he doesn't get yeah, it. He, he yeah, he thinks it's an aileron roll that you, it's a maneuver you perform in your starfighter to avoid incoming laser fire. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't understand that it's like a digging people out thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that checks out. Uh, so my, my thing with, with Fox is that like, part of me is like very much on your thing, right? Like his missions are all on rails. Like he's very straightforward, focused on like the thing he's doing. I mean, he's the captain. He's, he's got to the- be... He's got to be the, you know. Yeah, he's in captain. He's in charge, and he doesn't really deviate from like the path of like what he's doing. So if like, he's having sex, he's not going to like add extra like accoutrement. Yeah, he doesn't do foreplay. But at the same time, a he's a fox. B he's a cool space pilot, and I feel like I feel like Falco's the cool one. Yeah, well, Falco, fox for sure, fox. for sure, fox yeah. needs ass. Falco goes to town. But we're not talking about Falco. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah. yeah. With the, I feel like, honestly, with the other members of the crew, it's obvious. Like, Pepe doesn't because he's, like, too old and, like, never really, like, learned the stuff. And he's also, like, a, a weird, like, uh, troll meme. Yeah, and then Slippy does because Slippy's, like, basically a teen. Yeah, he's, teens he's are about it. Yeah, teens are about it and, like, he's got a crazy tongue. But then Fox is a little more ambiguous. Fox is the one you can't really tell. Um, I think I'll, I'm thinking I was talking with Kyle on no. Griffin, where are you at? I think, like, if you'd like uh, Star Fox, the character, I think you should seek mental health treatment mm-hmm. bango so i assume that means star fox is naughty to it's a hard no at this point in time and i'm willing to address any of your concerns and the dms on game boy's pot so here's one thing i want to here's a little spicy shrimp i want to throw into the pot oh yeah spice uh, the pot are all those animals in those ships are they uh members of the disabled community whoa how because of their legs they not have legs they all have like metal legs whoa. and i feel like I mean, this is never touched I think, on in the I think story they just are space pants right so that's what you'd think of at first but if you take a closer look i feel like there's hinges on the side and there's maybe are they all robots is what i want to say i think whoa. i think narratively if someone is a master pilot because they spent so much time in a plane because they can't walk. Like I'm for that narratively, you know, as like that thing. does make sense to me. Yeah, no, that all, does all like kind of swing as like a coherent. Like thing. why would, why would one of these, these, these pilots need metal boots? But at the, at the end of the day, if I'm in space though, like I, I, I'm not wearing like leather. I'm not wearing my vans, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear some metal things I can stomp around in. Yeah. Maybe they're like high gravity shoes, mm. like high those, gravity those magnet boots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is a conspiracy it, theory that we're very nervous about. We might have just unearthed something that Nintendo yeah. will call us and tell us to take down this podcast. Mm-hmm. There might be some research getting done before next week's episode. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. But uh, with such insights like that, I'm sure that the people would like to find more or hear more from you, Kyle. Kyle, is there anything you want to plug or anything in the place people can find you to get more Kyle content? Uh, no, I don't post. Posting's bad. Uh, you shouldn't do it. Uh, if I have one thing to say to the universe, it's don't post. That's a good plug for unplugging. Mm-hmm. Damn. But uh, yeah, come to PWR on March 9th. Fourth Tap Brewing Co-op, Austin, Texas. Yeah, look at the videos. They're on the Facebook if, page. If you post about it, he'll break your phone. Yeah, I don't post. I get Chris to do that for me. That's accurate. Yeah, Griff, what about you? Yeah, I don't post either. Um, That's so funny. And, and I just like, it's just sad if you are at this point. Um, it's 2018, you know? 
Yeah, hosting is so 2017. <laughs> Just do a podcast and release it into the nowhere like us. Hell yeah. Um, no, Game Boy's Pod on Instagram. Uh, and I'll be coming at you in the new year with some new videos and some new live shows in Los Angeles, baby. Oh, yeah. Very famous. 2019. 2019. Also, Griffin, Griffin Solodola, 2019. Dad's new apartment. 2019. It's all happening. Whoa. For me... It's the same as usual. Add ML Surfer on Twitter. Uh, check the Game Boys Twitter. Uh, Game Boys Pod on Twitter. You also can find the videos I make for Party World Wrestling on the PWR Facebook page. And the other videos I make for my job at Wisecrack. And then there's the other podcasts, uh, The Burrito and Respect Our Authority. I just watched some of the Wisecrack videos randomly. And man, they're really good. Like they're, hey, thanks, dude. They're, uh, I, re- I read a great one. I've watched a great one. <laughs> Feels like reading. <laughs> uh, yeah, watched well, a great one about uh, what the con- like why there's so much controversy in the fandom of Star Wars that I thought was really interesting. Um, that was very cool. The videos are fun, and guess what, guys? It's fun to learn. Yeah, we uh, grow, laugh harder, get smarter. I think is the catchphrase that I don't think is great copy that we have on the website. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what we have. And also, the most important thing out of all these plugs is to remember to rate review and subscribe to this podcast on itunes and if you leave us a review like yuki for prez did then you can have it read on the show like yuki for prez is about to yuki for prez says game boys more like lame boys just kidding they're great <laughs> games wow. yuki's got my vote yeah um so that's uh yuki for prez and thank you very much yuki for prez for the glowing <laughs> review That'll do it for this episode of the Game Boys Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Lux. Your host is Griffin Davis. Your guest is Kyle Wye. Your editor is Haley Clement. Your intro and outro music is by Matthew Morton. And your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Starcraft. Mm-hmm.